and I can come to bed and be a better husband and a better person to everyone I'm around. It is oh, beyond okay. healing. You know, it's it. It's a. I wish more men, black women, and black black men and black women, found that outlet. They gave them something that is not sports or purchasing something. Something you're actually expressing yourself. Blessings, beloved. It's your sister Aisha Abdurrahman, host of Manifest Your Brilliance, a legacy design studio project featuring contemporary women and artists of color from around the globe that are fully showing up and sharing their gifts and talents with the world. It is Thursday, May 27th, 2021. Welcome to another episode of Manifest Your Brilliance. On today's episode, I sit with an artist known as Quirky or Q. Q is featured in the Legacy Design Studio's upcoming Juneteenth Black Lives Matter Virtual Art Festival in the virtual world of Second Life. I talked to Q about his journey as an artist, as well as his thoughts on commissioning artwork versus creating art based on what is inspiring him to express from within. We talk a little bit about him being in the zone and his experience of healing through creative expression as a Black artist and exactly what is Black art. Introduce yourself, tell us who you are, um, well, and all that good stuff. Well, who I like to be, I like to be an artist. I, I think I'm an artist. I keep trying. I don't know if I'm succeeding, but I have a multidisciplinary artist. I've been doing it for, I guess, six years now, actually creating art. Um, okay. I do sculptures, paintings, um, digital media, animations, anything I can get my hands on, that's what I want to do. And, I, I, I had the freedom to do it so thank god for that yeah oftentimes we kind of take our gifts for granted was it something oh. that you had to uh that came easily to you or was it something you had to learn well i always was into art when i was younger but when i got um out of college i pretty much went to graphic artists because the money and everything was predictable you know, mm-hmm. insurance and everything else that goes along with it. And doing animation, you can pretty much find any government job you want. But when I soon realized that uh, every animation, every graphic, everything I've done was somebody else wanting me to do something. Mm-hmm. This is the first time in my life, and if you're an artist, don't wait as long as I did, to actually explore your personal wants and needs and vocalize that in art. I wish yeah. I would have done it sooner. Right. Yeah, I think that's a big struggle that a lot of artists have is I often ask artists, who's your ideal client? Who's your, who are you creating art for? Me. And they're like, anybody I, who will buy it. And I'm like, but who do you want to buy the art? Like, what do you want people to it, see? What do you want them to feel when you're But creating? see, that's the problem. When you have a client, sometimes they want you to do commissions. And mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't, no offense to the artist, I don't want to paint Tupac. I don't want to paint Nipsey Hussle. I don't want to play back Jesus. I don't want to paint anything that I normally wouldn't gravitate to. Mm-hmm. I need to, I have a voice. If you want my voice, then you want my painting. If you want to collaborate on your piece, I can understand that, but I, I have plenty of work you can pick from if you want my work. <laughs> <laughs> Doing custom pieces. Oh, can you paint my family? No, I can, but I won't. Right, because you won't really enjoy it. So you talk about your voice. What is your voice? What do you enjoy painting? Where is it? Where does it come oh. from in your 
expressing yourself in your work? It depends. Like sometimes something on the news would piss me off or I was mm-hmm. a little child and or I was look at my wife and like she's beautiful and I want to do something accordingly. And usually just midnight oil when she finally falls asleep, I get up and start creating. And I have mm-hmm. my most fun then. Matter of fact, I'm working on a piece right now that I'm pretty excited about. And I had to stop to talk to you. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I think I, think I have pain on my knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> I know so, yeah. how it is when you get into um, the creative zone. Yeah, so when yeah. you're painting and you're um, expressing whatever has inspired you, does it feel healing at all to you as a creative person? Oh, my God. Before this, stress, anger, depression, this... Art is my mistress. Mm-hmm. My wife knows all about her. She knows the time <laughs> I spend. <laughs> it's, <the only, laughs> it's the only other lover I can possibly ever have that could get me to those points where whatever I was going through, I can put it on the canvas mm-hmm. and I can come to bed and be a better husband and a better person to everyone I'm around. It is oh. beyond healing. You know, it's it, it took a, I wish more men, black women and black, black men and black women found that outlet. They gave them something that is not sports or purchasing something, something you're actually expressing yourself. Like gardening. Gardening is another way, another art form or cooking or mm-hmm. anything like that. You can express yourself and get whatever's bothering you out on something else so you can be a better person for the rest of the day. Right. So when people are seeing that expression that you put on canvas or in a sculpture, mm-hmm. um, what do you hope that they get out of it? What it, Do you hope that maybe they themselves get healing from experience your artwork or that inspires them? Or um, is it just something, some people buy art like, oh, it just looks good. It matches my house. So when people I, are buying from you, what do you hope that they're, the value that they're seeing in your work? I don't know if they should be seeing any value to it. Just they connect with it more than anything else. Because if I paint something that at that time I was upset or happy about, maybe it'll come through with my work. But if mm-hmm. it doesn't, for the longest time, I, I've been anonymous, hence the name Corky. And mm. to go to a gallery and nobody know what you truly look like mm-hmm. and hear their actual thoughts and opinion. It affects mm-hmm. people differently depending on who sees it. And it's a true and natural way to hear somebody's opinion. If they know you're the artist, oh, they might, oh my God, you're the greatest, blah, blah, blah. But if they don't know who you are and you're just eating, like having a drink, what do you think of this? Oh, this guy sucks. And I get to hear the true. No, I, I'd much rather have it true and uncut right. than somebody pretending X, Y, and Z to make me feel good or just to be in the circle where I'm at and I'd much rather go and replace nobody knows who I am and hear the mm-hmm. honest opinion. Right. And your artwork is very different. It's not your stereotypical <laughs> black artwork, I guess you can call it. And we were I talking agree. the other day with the previous artist and he was saying, what makes black art black? Is it black art because I'm black? Is it black because there's black people in it? How would you compare your <sighs> to typical black art, I guess? Um, to build, it's hard to say sometimes because I know I'm in 
a minor, minority inside a minority. What I mean by that is like, well, I'm I'm made aware of the walls all the time, whether it's a gallery telling me I'm a black artist or my own people will tell me I'm a black artist. And if nobody ever saw what I look like, would I be a black artist? Now there's some white artists who will paint and African people and stuff like that and become rich and famous and stuff like that. But the experience, the trauma, the things that go into my work sometimes speaks a little louder. And I guess that would be black art, but would there be black art if there were no black white supremacy? Mm-hmm. And I've struggled with this all the time because I do, it's like I do animation for a living. Is that black animation? No, mm-hmm. it's just art. It's animation. But right? I have to, I also have to realize that in the environment I live in, my people want to buy black art. Mm-hmm. So it happens that I don't, I'll say this, I don't go out to try to make black art. I make art that feels and connect with me. Mm-hmm. That's never my goal. When I would take my wife to certain museums, she would look at the sculptures and the statues, and there was nobody with her skin tone or her complexion. It bothered me that mm-hmm. we as a people don't do this. Everybody else does it. Why don't we? So I said, well, you know, I take on this mantle and start producing work that's in sculptures or maybe to a hallow caliber to be considered a master. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather have that than me to do a uh, a black bar sissy t-shirt. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Wow. That's very profound. So do you feel like representation so you were saying you know you would go to museums and your wife didn't see herself do you feel like representation is something that is our own responsibility so I was having this conversation with my husband the other night and my daughter was saying well we don't see ourselves on tv in these type of movies we only see ourselves in these types of movies and I was like well who's making them a lot of people we talk about representation and inclusion it's almost like we're waiting for other people to make stuff for us and include us in it where I feel like we're more responsible. Like if you want to see yourself in something, you have to make it. Other people are making things for themselves. They aren't really thinking about us. So if you want to see something, you have to be the one that makes it. And then other people will come in and try and create something for us. And then we say, Oh, it's appropriation. So what do you you find, like, the balances of, like, oh, they're culture appropriating or they think they know us and they're making this for us, but then we're, like, but but then they're not making anything for us. It depends on if the person is a true ally. ally. There's one people who would come in and culture appropriation that would just take from the culture and never acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. I respect anybody of any different race that would make a venue but acknowledge the ideas and the concepts where it came from. Uh, mm-hmm. Picasso was famous for this. He stole a lot of uh, design cues from African art but never acknowledged it. Never. Mm-hmm. And But you could see it throughout his whole especially majority of his famous pieces were pretty much black art that he did. And mm-hmm. it just I found it fascinating. So it depends. Like I went to this recent gallery at Maryland Hall 
and I met the young lady outside and she didn't know me and I didn't know her. She didn't know what I looked like, but she was, a, I think, initially intimidated by me until she starts mm. talking with me. Then I realized she's on guard because she's not used to dealing with maybe that many black people or in that situation. But come to find out, she's an ally. She's just cautious. It's, it's Baltimore. You got to be cautious. Oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm cautious. So when I realized what she was about and how she cured herself when I was not around and stuff like that, I realized she was an ally. And the venue that she provided to his voice, my, to have my voice out there, was beneficial. So it depends on who you're dealing with. It mm-hmm. truly, truly depends on who you're dealing with. Some of the galleries just don't know or just not conscious of it. They're like, well, how many black artists do you know? None. Because they're not in their they're not in their chats, they're not in their groups, they're not in their social structure to right. know that person. And um I had a recent my first artist to welcome me to Baltimore was a white artist and she recently passed and I did a sculpture of her. I have it on the wall right now. And she was accepted. She was an ally. And when I lost her it was it was like I lost a, a true sister, mm-hmm. and it depends. Um, inclusion is very important because there's tons of galleries in this area that I would love to be in, but maybe I haven't worked up the nerve to knock on that door and say, "Hey, you should consider me, consider my work," because I, I haven't worked up the nerve yet. Right. But I'm working on it. So it's definitely a two way street, but there's other factors that can affect being a part of a, a gallery short or a museum that yeah it's up here battle because obviously representation is lacking right and that's interesting to hear you say that even in baltimore so i've only been to baltimore twice mm-hmm. but you know my thoughts on it is being here in california especially in northern california is it's a lot more diverse than where i'm at so my dad was born in baltimore but he's been in california maybe since he was 11 so I've mm-hmm. gone back, you know, for family reunions and things like that. Yeah. Um, so maybe I don't know, like, the whole entire, like, city. I maybe only know one area. But mm-hmm. it seems to be a lot more diverse there. So it's interesting to hear you, to hear you talk Diversity about doesn't mean inclusion. Mm-hmm. Right. Diver- it, does, it's, it could be as segregated as we're all at a venue or gathering. But nobody truly, they, 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 everybody clicks up. Oh, this person looks like me. This person looks like me. I identify with this person. And to see this lady, her name was Bonnie, she was a great person, break that. She went to each group, broke them up, say, hey, come over here and try to get a, we're having dreams, come on over. She would do this and just watch mm-hmm. this lady try to unite these artists. It was just a beautiful thing. And right. I'm, I'm guilty of it too. I gravitate to people that I might have some interest in. Like, if I found out you were a Star Wars fan, I care if you're white, black, green, I'm gravitating towards you. So right. if I'm new to an area and I don't know anybody, usually I'm pretty shy um, when it comes to events like that. So yeah, I usually pretty much gravitate to people I resemble or I might vibe with. Now, if I hear him mm-hmm. talk and he's on the same way, well, I would gravitate to him. But usually I keep to myself and... I'm as guilty of it as anybody else is unsure trying to talk to somebody for the first time. Right. I'm I'm just getting a little more brave in my uh, approach. Right. So, you know, this is, this podcast is called Manifest Your Brilliance. So after this interview, 
I put on my podcast. Wow, that's so <laughs> I did not know the name. That's pretty good. <laughs> all about fully showing up and sharing your gifts and talents with the world. Um, oh. And I named it that because that's something that I struggle with, especially as an introvert. And so I started interviewing yeah. other people that were doing it. So how do you feel like you're growing as far as showing up and sharing and being a little less anonymous? Um, because I feel well, like our talents are not for us to hold and keep for ourselves. You want to share it with the world and kind of make an impact and get your voice out there. Well, when I first moved to this area, I used to paint at least two paintings or three paintings a day. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to galleries because I was still shy. So I would go to the city of D.C. and hang them on the city and walk away. If you could, no, I'm dead serious. And if you go back to my post on my Instagram, which is qrc.net or qrc, corky, anywhere you want to go, um, you go back to my previous post, they were like scavenger hunts. Mm -hmm. And I would just leave it on the street because my apartment at that time was full of these paintings and I, was, I just wanted to get my emotions out. So wow. I would paint and paint and paint and whoever found it could keep it. And it was just fun. It was fun for me. And it was like... I made DC my own gallery. Mm -hmm. And depending on where you were at, if it's like there's a restaurant I partake a lot, like a Busboy and Poets or a Ben's Chili Bowl, I used to hang stuff all through that area all the time because I enjoyed the vibe of being there. And the best thing about it, if you dress, DC is very highbrow and clickish. <laughs> not like Baltimore. <laughs> and if you, they, people there ask you about what you do for a living, so they make sure you're on the same level. Right. So if I dress like I was disheveled mm -hmm. or maybe homeless, nobody ever looked at you. They didn't care what you were doing. You could walk right down the street, nobody would make eye contact with you. Wow. And I could dress with like a basic hoodie and some dirty jeans ripped up. Nobody would pay me any mind. They would, cops and all. They would just not look at me. Nobody wants mm -hmm. to make eye contact. And it just, it was a way for me to hang art and do stuff and be anonymous the entire time because nobody would ever look. Some of the people, I would just hang a painting and say, I found one. They would walk right past me, not knowing I laid it up there. Wow. It was, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful time. So you almost kind of created like a little community of people where they knew about this art that was being hung up, but they didn't know who it was. Exactly. Exactly. And the best things I got, oh, I was looking for a, um, a birthday present for my significant other, and I found this, and we love it, and they'll send me pictures with, on their walls and stuff like that. Or um, this homeland man found what, when Robin Williams passed, because I did like Robin Williams, so I did a painting of Robin Williams, his homeland found it, and then sold it to somebody else for 500 bucks on the street. Yeah. And like, they negotiated, and I don't know what he did with the money, but I'm glad it went to somebody else. Because mm -hmm. say, forever for being, well, I would love it, but I became popular, famous. The people wouldn't be able to afford to find my paintings anymore. I still would hang them on the street. I do it in Baltimore, but I just do it very sparingly because I have a wife and she thinks going out in the middle of the night at two in the morning, hanging artwork is kind of sketchy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, are, you, are you really doing <laughs> I mean, but. Usually I record it. I record everything I do, everything I do so people can do the scavenger hunt. So where are you going? She she has the tracker on me. She can find me anytime she wants. It's <laughs> never a problem. No, 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 no. I know my bread is buttered and it's buttered real good here. <laughs> Even in 
York City, me and my friends found one, and I followed my boy for two days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, okay. my, that's my homeboy. He, my anti-bully. So he's been – and support I've had from people, even if people don't buy my work, which is – if you want to buy my work, qrc.net, <laughs> quirky.net. Uh, the sharing and the support is everything. So I build a community of just – really great people really great people who like seeing what i do like i'll like things like this and this is of my wife and i'll just keep producing producing because the time you i guess watch sports or binge out on television or stuff like that i could be doing something that's nurturing to my soul yeah i find i don't get me wrong i like fast food and i like watching tv and doing something else but when i'm producing and making things i feel better and so if i die today at least i'm reaching towards a goal or an accomplishment to score some type of victory for humanity or anybody for the black diaspora to say i see myself in this i like his work this is what i need to have in my life right now this is no different like when i heard um most definitely Talib Kweli for the first time and hearing Black Star, I'm like, dude, this is this is me. Or him and <laughs> a, a great song, like, thank you. This spoke to me. And that's what I want to have happen. Okay. So do you feel like COVID-19 made that harder or easier for you to connect with people and your community? Well, since I wasn't really um, out there in the world, it made it much easier because I could spend, oh, I can't go to work. Oh, I guess I can stay home and paint today. Boop, boop, boop. It was awesome. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. If, if my wife wants to travel, she wants to go to Puerto Rico. She wants to go to Virgin Islands and stuff like that. I'd much rather stay here and paint. Really? It, 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 oh, I'm sorry, baby. I can't go to the store. <laughs> I, I would love to. No, no, no. I, I am a home body it was the blessing it nearly drove her crazy i loved every minute of it like i go back to back to work on monday refreshed because i spent so much time learning something that the daunting task of being at work all the time wasn't that bad right i i, I usually live for the weekends but when i couldn't go to work if you didn't <laughs> if you didn't want to start a small business or do something in this time of covid i don't know what to say Right. It's, it's, you can get depressed, you can get sad, but anything and everything you want to learn is online and there's no excuses at this point. Right. So do you feel like technology is something that is helping artists to grow and to move forward? Most or definitely. Or do you feel like it's challenging? It's too challenging. No, no, no. I, 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 it depends on how much you use the, the technology as a crutch. Mm-hmm. If there's no, no true artistic skill in what you're doing, I'm quite sure anybody can go into uh, uh, Google and download the image and put a nice little filter on it and say, this is art, which <laughs> they can. Right. I have seen it. It <laughs> irritates me to no end. But if you can also do the exact same thing, pull off an image, paint it, put your own spin, your own life, your, breathe something else into it, it's just like hip-hop and sampling. You mm-hmm. can sample but don't use the whole damn song. Like, what was that? Um, <laughs> that song with I'm sorry. What's that song with uh, what was it? Escape sampled Michael oh, Jackson. Yeah. Love, will I can't sing. 
by here, you hear Mike Boyd come in. I didn't give a damn about anything else except Mike's voice. So if you're taking somebody else's word, you're taking Mona Lisa and putting like a mustache on her, okay, I can understand that to a point, but most of the work was done by the original person. So you really didn't bring nothing to the table except highlighting what they did and just change it a little bit. So artistic skill means a work. It makes it very easy to somebody who can be called an artist, but do I respect them? No. Mm -hmm. No. Sorry. So one of the concerns <laughs> one of the concerns that people have is with technology is they have a bigger fear of their work being stolen. So these it's gonna happen regardless. Yeah. People, no matter it's the internet. You have a choice to make. Um you can be fearful or you can try. Mm-hmm. I've sold more prints than my actual original works. And I think it's price considerably and i have seen people out there who steal my work and post it as their own and, and wow. things of that nature but oh no 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 because it's one thing to do that but you can't do it again you see what i'm saying they can't make and do what i do right it's like uh what's that i think kanye said you can't do what i do baby no because because <laughs> it was you can you can sample it you can probably make money or you can grab it and put it on a t-shirt But you might be, it's a short-term game for you when I'm playing chess. It's a long-term process. You get that quick, instant gratification. Mm -hmm. I'm disciplined. I have time on my hands. And I can produce when you only can copy and steal. So I always will have the advantage because I constantly create. The very moment I stop creating and stop producing, then I start worrying about people stealing my stuff. Mm. There's nothing you can do about it. Right. So tell us a little bit about um, your collection. So you're going to be featured in our gallery, <laughs> which I'm really excited. When you submitted your work, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I, I, didn't see your, I didn't see your picture. You didn't even see me your picture. I was like, okay, I need a headshot. <laughs> I was like, I need, well, to, it's just, I need to see it's, your face. <laughs> no, no, it just, it, why? Right. No, no, seriously, why? If, if you know who MF Doom is? No. He's a rapper, and um, he recently passed. He was hands down one of my favorites. But he wore a mask everywhere he went. Mm-hmm. Every time he performed, he wore a mask the entire time. And it wasn't about what he looked like. Right. It was about what he was saying and the sound he produced. And mm-hmm. that's the only thing that should matter. I'm arguing the point that LL Cool J was not be as popular if he didn't look the way he looked. Really? I'm 100%. 100%. Huh. I didn't say that. He has skill. All right, prime example. I would be on. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I, I, what I was saying is, I'll go on Instagram and I'll follow some artists. But I've noticed some artists are now posing halfway nude with their paintings. And they will sit there in their little speedo, or their like. Um, they'll sit there with their, and they'll sit, like, and they'll and they have a bathing suit on. So what are you selling? Are you selling your art, or are you trying to get people to like? So okay. he had a MF Doom had a quote. Um, it was a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, any MF Doom scene fantasies. Is I apologize. I'm doing my best. He said. Uh, Rappers shut up with the shutting up or put a shirt on, at least a button up. 
Yuck. Are you rappers or stripping males? Out of work jerks since they shut down Chippendales. I'm like, yo! I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. summarized it. If you if you are skilled, you don't need to take your shirt off. You don't need to clean your clothes off. And it's the same thing of seeing right. Nicki Minaj and Lauren Hill. <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? Right. Nicki has to show her butt. But when she stands beside of Lauren Hill, there's no comparison. Right. Right. True skills without showing off her body. I'm not saying Nicki's not good. Right. But she's not to this level. Right. That she could just spit and that's it. So mm-hmm. my work, what I look like, what I sound like, other than outside of my creation, doesn't matter. Right. Unless it, it gives another artist that, who might be my color or of uh, 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 another ethnicity hope. Right. That's the only time I would say it matters because sometimes seeing somebody with my skin tone doing it gives people hope and I could understand that because when I was growing up it was only I didn't see that many artists so I saw Bob Ross Norma Rockwell Mm -hmm. that was it and then when Mm -hmm. I got up here it turned to this guy Ernest Shaw Levi Robinson other black artists that could follow and be friends with and I could understand that right yeah because I don't know really a lot of black curators either there's not a lot of black curators there's not a lot of Black women uh, so there's more black women than men. Yeah, yeah. Atlanta, 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 Atlanta. Atlanta okay. I tell you what, social media has allowed me to connect mm-hmm. with people that I never would have known, or we just assume. Right. Like, if you saw me in the street, I do not have the, the demeanor or the person that would seem like an artist. I'm a pretty big guy, kind of fat, but I can go. Mm-hmm. And you just would never assume. So I, we got to get out of the assumption, what does an artist look like? Mm-hmm. Do I need to have all these weird things on my head and dress oddly? I don't know. But some right. people gravitate to that. Right. They look at you and be like, oh, that's an artsy person. Or they look like Exactly. Right. I look, okay. every, time, every time I went to a store, like in the morning, to get coffee, so, hey, man, you see the game? Nope. They assume that I watch football. Ooh. They assume that... I had it all the time. I used to work with the military. So, hey, man, you see the game? Like, well, because I have the size and the look of a guy who will watch sports. And I don't. But it's the assumption. People make it all the time. Both sides, all races, they do it all the time. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. I don't know. Your glasses make you look like an artist, though. I like your glasses. (laughs) It's just, all right, I like the contrast. creative. That's artsy. Well, uh, it just well, I like contrast. So right. my my wife is fairly dark skinned, so I like her in yellows and colors. So it's a more of a visual thing. So I don't mm-hmm. like wearing brown glasses because they blend me with my skin, and I like right. just little accents of white or just cream, mm-hmm. no matter what it is. And plus, yeah. they were cheap. They were like ten bucks. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but see, things like that. I think only us creatives think of. So this that's the same with me. Like I wear silver. I don't wear gold. A lot of people are like, oh, why don't you wear gold? Because it just, it blends in with me. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So for me, I wanted to know the person behind all of the artwork just out of curiosity. Not there is no person. Like. There <laughs> is no person. look like or sound like, but because we tie a person to art, like some person created this amazing thing. Like, I want to see, like, who is this amazing thing? Even if you had on a mask. I think it's just the human, knowing that there's a human behind it, I guess you could say, 
Because I think if, if art was created digitally, like say your art was, was created by a computer, I don't think I would be as fascinated with it. I'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool. A computer can do that. I, would, I don't think... It's going to get to a point where computers are so good, you won't be able to tell. Mm. I'm willing to bet money on it. It's yeah. going to get to a point that's not going to be, you're not going to be able to tell that it's a human. Hell, I've seen a, a painting by an elephant that was pretty amazing. It was abstract wow. as hell, but it was pretty amazing. So, creative. Can you program creativity in the computer? Maybe not now, but yeah, I think they could. Right. So, given enough time, yeah, it's just, I would, I guess I would be impressed at the skill of the programmer who wrote the code to produce a computer or a robot to make this art. It's right. all art. So right. technically, I guess you could make the same argument about a digital camera and a photograph. That person is still the, the person who took the shot, but mm -hmm. technically all the work was done with the, um, the camera. Right. The image was captured. It was done this way. It was converted into Photoshop. It was color corrected into Photoshop. So mm -hmm. having an eye as an artist is one thing. Can it be programmed? I don't know, but I'm willing to bet yes. Right. But even if it's programmed, it's still a person behind that that's programming it. Because I've seen a lot of people, they get these big fancy cameras, and their pictures still don't look good. Well, yeah, you have to <laughs> learn the basics. <laughs> Okay. I mean, like, I think I, the things I do, I think I could teach somebody who was a novice or didn't like the paint. Mm -hmm. I've seen, I've seen it happen. I've seen a little child just pick up clay and just make something out of it. Or you see a kid play with Legos. That's, that's even better. Especially okay. you have a ch child with imagination, just play with Legos and just builds this whole world. And this is the thoughts and ideas behind it. So to say, it couldn't come from a, an animal or um, uh, an ape with Legos. Yeah, I couldn't say that. I, I find beauty in random stuff that's on the ground. Mm -hmm. So that's, there's no thought behind that. It's just nature doing what it does and this wind blowing leaves at a certain pile that I do, that is beautiful. But I guess it mm -hmm. takes an eye to see it and capture that. And, right. you know, it just it, it takes an eye. Yeah. So tell us about the collection. What are people going to see um, of your work when they when they come to the exhibition? What is well, um, well my one my anonymous um, no anxiety. It's one of my favorite paintings. It has a blue background and a young lady wearing a mask, and I painted it during COVID. And it's a gas mask they use for the military. I think it's a um, I can't think of the actual name of the gas mask, but I can get back to you with that. But when Trump was in office, it made it very, the anxiety of waking up every morning was mm -hmm. something else. Mm -hmm. It was, it was toxic. It was, it, it wears on you. And I just wanted to put something on to protect me and anybody else who went through that. So I wanted some type of protection of this toxic environment. It was beyond toxic. Then COVID hit and it just, it was perfect. Right. It was perfect. And um, the pieces of my wife, um, she has a uh, gas mask on. She has Bantu knots, so you can see her hair. You really can't see her face, but it's in Bantu knots. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite pieces. It's one of my favorite pieces. And it's it was emotionally charged when I did it and just draining. 
I was mm-hmm. happy. It, it when I finish a piece that involved, I don't know what birth gives like feels like, but I, I can imagine it's like just exhaustion, complete and utter exhaustion. It's like I'm physically giving birth to something, and I don't want to do nothing but sleep. Mm-hmm. How long does it take you? Um, I know you, the one with your wife <laughs> with the with the vines. You were like working on it. You're saying, "Oh, oh, that yet. took forever." It's done. It's not done yet. About no, how no. long? How long it, does it take? Um, that one, maybe a week and a half. Okay. But the the entire time, the entire time, I'm working on several pieces at a time. I'm never like right. I'm teaching myself how to make jewelry. And this is all pewter. I never had to do that. So I'm constantly doing stuff. Uh, my area is uh, <laughs> is messy, <laughs> but it's very creative. She just comes out here to bring the laundry down and it goes away. <laughs> but uh, if you're an artist, it, the best thing I can say to any artist out there, find somebody who accepts you and your art at the same time. You are a package deal. It's not like, oh, well, you can't you do this later? No. You know I can't. It's a package deal when you get with them. If you can't accept that or understand this is a uh, a mistress that needs attention too, then you're not the woman from me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, it's been really great getting to know you and getting to understand your work and the passion and your, your just your whole thought process. And I think that that's also the other reason why I want to know like who's behind it is you see the work but then to get to know the person behind it and the story behind it. Because sometimes you see work and you assume certain things like mm-hmm. the anonymous piece. That's not what I would have gotten, like, seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, first thing I thought about was COVID, but then I read the description on your website. And I was like, hmm, what really <laughs> makes you think? So to sit and um, talk to the person that created that artwork kind of, I think it helps you to understand the work itself a little bit more. Unless you're just like, well, I want people to get out of it whatever they want out of it. Um, that happens sometimes, but usually there's several hidden messages, and the best thing I could do is not say anything see if somebody discovers it. There's a painting I have right now where I will actually paint a fly onto the painting, and it looks real. Like I'll, I want people to go to the um, gallery and say, hey, there's a fly up there. You need to kill it all. I put it there for a reason. Just just to make sure people are paying attention, there's a lot mm-hmm. of head meeting, but I would much rather me, knock on wood, when I pass, people start researching and figure out why is this and maybe give me my roses again. I was going to, oh, show you my little storage area. I don't think I turned the camera around. Oh, I'm older um, than I look, too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little thing that has arrows. There you go. So I have pieces and this goo gobs of painting. <laughs> it depends on what I'm doing at that moment mm-hmm. with work. Is this my vibe? Depending on what I want to do at that moment, it changes, mm-hmm. and it it, it I never ends. Talking about that one the other day on on Instagram, I was like, it's because it doesn't look flat. It doesn't even look like paint. Well, it is. It is. As a matter of fact, it's spray paint. Yeah. It's cans of so spray paint and markers and stuff. Mention. Yeah, yeah. I, I do not like paintings now that are really, really flat. I try to avoid them as much as humanly possible. And depending on what it is, I'll keep going and keep going and just, yeah, it, 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 never, it never really ends. 
So yeah, I'm glad that you took the time to talk to me. And yeah, if you guys want to see more of my work, please check me out at uh, qrcky.net, qrcky.net. Please follow me on Instagram. The best way you can support me, share it. If you can't afford it, share, share, share. Share it with a museum, sell it with a gallery, share it with somebody else that could mean something too. Thank you so much. <laughs> anytime, anytime. Thank, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Manifest Your Brilliance. Don't forget to head over to Instagram and follow us at Legacy Design Studio. Hit the notification bell so that you can be notified when we go live and be a part of our live studio audience. Did you know that you can chime in via Anchor FM and leave your comment or question via audio? Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast player so that you never miss an episode. Life is good. Have a blessed day.